0: You are listening to the Hill City Church podcast. Our mission is to become and make disciples who walk with God, connect with people, and impact the world. Morning, church. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm so excited to be uh, continuing our Advent teaching series, and we're just going to start off with the fire, okay? We'll get the, the candle lighting. The first week of this uh, series we looked at. Does anyone remember week one? Hope. Okay, I know it was two two Sundays ago. <laughs> hope, and we looked at how what Jesus gives us is he gives us this confident expectation while we're waiting, while we're waiting on God, and we can remember hope in this Advent season. Last week, Pastor Jake what talked about? What did he talk about? Jesus. Okay, so you remember Jake's sermon. Yes but not mine, I, I see how it is, uh, peace. And how, how God brings us both inner peace, peace inside, peace, peace outside, right? And then peace with God himself. And today, we're lighting the third candle, uh, which is, oh, we'll get the lighter to work here, which is joy, can everyone say joy? And Christmas is typically uh, a time of joy, is it not? It's often been called the most wonderful time of the year. And uh, I agree with that. It's my favorite holiday. Today is actually my third Christmas party in the last four days. (laughs) And I love Christmas parties just as much as the next person. I love the sweaters and the ornaments and the gift exchanges. It's all very fun and nostalgic. Uh, And yet... The kind of joy I wanna talk about today is not the joy of Christmas time, but the joy of Christ. Not the joy of happy holidays and Starbucks mugs are changing and you know, most of the year I drink black coffee except for December, I'm an eggnog latte man. <laughs> and I love eggnog lattes and like one of the worst things that a coffee shop can do is not have eggnog. I'm like, it's December. Come on, right? And uh, and the joy of Happy Holidays or the joy of Christmas time is just the general happiness and the good feeling you get from going to see Christmas lights with your family, or the traditions, or the tree, or the presents. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But the joy of Christ Himself is so much deeper than the joy of Christmas time or the joy of happy holidays. The joy of Christ is something that can sustain you, whether your situation or your circumstance is good or bad. The joy of Christ is tied to this idea of good news. I want you to think for a moment, what's the best news that you've ever received? Maybe you got a phone call or an email or you just had a conversation with someone, and you could tell from the opening line what they were about to say to you was going to be good, it was gonna be good news. It's a boy, it's a girl, like the news of a newborn child, that's good news. Maybe you've received a promotion, you got the job, you got hired, or maybe you received a raise. Maybe you know you've been searching for a place to live, and you finally got the keys. You know you, that you closed the deal. You got the offer on the house. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe the good news was a, a marriage proposal, and it was so exciting. Maybe for you, you've been praying for something for a long time. Maybe even something like uh, a difficult medical situation, and you went to that appointment, and the doctor said you have a clean bill of health. Those are good news moments, right? I want you to think for a moment, how did you feel when that person shared that news with you? You probably felt joy. That's what joy is. It's this good feeling that that comes from experiencing and knowing that God is moving in a powerful way. It's this good news that, that impacts you and probably you responded, like most of us do, I have to tell someone about it. I've gotta post about it, right? Let's take a selfie right here in the, in the, in the hospital room. Let's, let, let, let's share this news with someone else and maybe if it was something where you weren't allowed to share it yet because they had to tell other people first, you, you had a hard time keeping it to yourself. You're like, well, can I tell just at least one person, right? There's this idea that when good news gives us this joy, we have to share that joy with others. But I imagine that there's some of us who've maybe heard bad news. And if good news fills us with joy, what bad news can do, it it can rob us of our joy. It can steal your joy, it can diminish your joy. Maybe you've heard the opposite of some of those good news examples. Maybe instead of a promotion or you, got, you were hired, maybe you got called in and, and you lost your job at a really bad time. Instead of a pay raise, it was a pay cut. Uh, maybe you, you got the email in your inbox that your account was overdrawn. Uh, maybe instead of the birth, right, a new life, maybe you actually got that phone call and it was the loss of a loved one. And maybe for you, you, it wasn't a healing, it was actually a bad medical diagnosis. Or maybe for you, one of the worst kinds of news that you could have in this season is no news at all. That you're just stuck in that gray zone, stuck in that Advent season of waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's agonizing, it's killing you, it's eating you on the inside. And in a world we live in a world of bad news. I mean, scroll through the news app, listen to the radio, I mean, you- it doesn't take long to see the world is filled with such bad news, and so today I just wanna ask that question. How can we experience joy in a world of bad news? Because hashtag happy holidays is not gonna cut it. There's no amount of eggnog lattes you can drink to drown your sorrows of all the bad news: there's no amount of Christmas parties you can go to. There's no amount of decorations that you can plaster on your house that can actually give you enough joy that can sustain you in a world of bad news. We don't just need the joy of Christmas time. We need the joy of We need the joy of Christ. And so today, I hope that you can be filled with an inexpressible joy of Christ because I know that the holidays can be a very difficult time, a time of cognitive dissonance for some, that you're surrounded by all of these traditions that are meant to bring you happiness and joy, and yet inside you feel like the joy has just been sucked right out of your soul. How can we have joy in a world of bad news? The Christmas story takes place in a world of bad news. We have to remember this, If you were a Jew living in the first century, uh, there's been this 400-year period since the last prophet prophesied, the closing of the Old Testament, before the birth of Christ. It's almost like that long period of waiting, which is what Advent is, this waiting season. Uh, It's said in the days of Samuel that the word of the Lord was rare in those days, but the word of the Lord was also rare in the days leading up to the birth of Jesus. And so if you were a Jew living in Jerusalem, you were technically in the promised land, but it wasn't quite everything that God had promised, right? God had brought his people, his chosen people, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt and he handed them the promised land. He gave them the promised land only to, not that much long later, the kingdom would be divided and then eventually both the northern and the kingdom would be sent into exile. And then the the remnant, there was that small remnant who were exiled in Babylon who would come back and they would rebuild the city walls and they would rebuild the temple and it was almost like this letdown. Maybe some of you have experienced that kind of letdown on Christmas. You have these high expectations, and then it's like 3 p.m. Christmas afternoon, and you're almost like, well, I guess it's 365 days till next year, right? It's kind of like that. It, it, wasn't, it didn't live up to the hype, right? It didn't, it didn't sustain. The joy that you were hoping to receive from Christmas morning didn't sustain, your expectations, and there's this moment when the Israelites are back in Jerusalem, and the city's rebuilt, and the temple's rebuilt, and the elders who still remember, do you remember this scene? The elders who still remember what the former glory of the temple was like, they look at the, the christening, the building dedication for the new, uh, the new temple, and you know, you, do you remember what they do? They weep, because it's just not as good as the other one right and so that's that really that picture accurately describes being a Jew in the 1st century yeah you're living in Jerusalem or you're living in Judea you're living in the promised land but it's not really yours it's the romans and the romans tax you really high you know the taxes you have to pay are really high you're always getting ripped off you're treated like a second rate citizen a second class citizen you don't have all the rights and the privileges of being a roman Citizen, You're oppressed, and depending on which governor or which emperor is in charge, your very life might be in danger. The Roman rulers frequently would just kill Jews if they didn't fall in line. And so this idea of you're there, you've received the promised land, I guess, but it just isn't the situation, the circumstance. You're still longing for good news. And then, the angel appears. The birth story begins with news, doesn't it? The angel Gabriel appears to Mary. You know the story, right? This is the typical Christmas story, the nativity. Appears to Mary. I bring you, you know, tidings of joy, and this, this is gonna be this beautiful thing. You're going to give birth to the Son of the Most High God. And it begins with news. And then, what we don't always realize is, while this is good news, the birth of this baby is good news for the entire world, it's a little bit mixed news for Mary and Joseph. I mean, in one sense, Mary is highly favored by God. I mean, how, how much of an honor would that be? God's the only one who got to choose his own parents. Do you realize this? <laughs> he chose his own mother, and yet the woman that, that God chose is a poor teenage girl, living in the first century. I mean, he had to also pick whatever time period. I don't know about you, I probably would have picked a time period, I don't know, after the discovery of electricity, (laughs) indoor plumbing, maybe Wi-Fi, I don't know. But this is like poverty in the first century. Do you recognize this? And so it's a poor teenage girl who's engaged to be married to a man named, Joseph, and the angel gives her this news that she will give birth, even though she's a virgin, she will conceive a child by the Holy Spirit. She's processing all of this, and then Joseph doesn't believe her. So you see, it's mixed. There's tension now. Is he going to divorce her? Is he going to stay with her? Like This puts her whole plans in danger and jeopardy. And then, of course, the angel appears to Joseph in a dream and tells him that what Mary has told you is true. This is from God. And so Joseph decides, okay, I guess I'll stay with her. But now we've got to move the wedding up so people aren't suspicious because you can, there's signs when there's a baby in there, okay? You can hide it for a little while, but there's, you could tell at a certain point there's no hiding it anymore. And so Joseph, they move up the wedding. They do a quiet wedding. This is not the wedding that Mary pictured you know, is, there, is her parents believing them that this is God's child? I don't know. Their, their family is probably suspicious of the entire situation and it puts their plans in jeopardy and then finally Jesus comes and then, of course, because he is the new king of the Jews, Herod wants to kill him and the wise men come and they warn them and now Mary and Joseph have to leave their homeland and become refugees in Egypt. How is that good news for Mary and Joseph? The calling that God has on your life is never a calling towards comfort and ease. And the task that God gives Mary and Joseph, and Mary is so willing, I am the Lord's servant, let it be to me according to your word. But she is so willing in humility to do whatever God calls her to do, and yet there's an incredible cost that comes with the calling to be the mother of the Son of God. And so, yes, it's good news, but it's, It's difficult news. It's mixed news. There's difficulty, there's trial that comes. And yet, the birth of this child is not just about the news that Mary and Joseph would receive. It's about good news for the entire world. It's about good news for you and for me. So I wanna remind us, we're gonna gonna focus on the scene with the shepherds and the angels. In Luke chapter two, if you have a Bible, you can open to Luke chapter two. It's gonna be our main teaching text For today, the very first visitors uh, to the newborn baby Jesus were shepherds, and uh, they were out watching their sheep in a field nearby on the night that Jesus was born, and an angel appeared to them to give them this news. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you, everyone say it, Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Good news of great joy. In Greek, it's mega joy. Do you want mega joy? This is real, sustaining, sufficient everlasting kind of joy. And this kind of joy they say, the angels say, is for who? It's for all people. It's for you and it's for me. And so there's this link between good news and great joy. Now babies tend to be good news in general. I understand there's sometimes difficult situations with unplanned pregnancies and you know and all that goes along with, you know, labor and delivery and complicated deliveries, right? But generally, when you hear the words, it's a boy or it's a girl, people are smiling. It's one, it's one of those moments, right? It's unlike any other moment that you can experience in life, holding a newborn baby for the first time. It's a moment of great joy, but this baby, baby Jesus in particular, is not only good news because he's a new baby, but because of who he is and the work that he will do. And the angels actually prophesy in this moment these two titles of Jesus that are the key to understanding why baby Jesus is such good news for all people. It's not just good news for Mary and Joseph. He is good news for the entire world. And the first title is that Jesus is the savior of the world. Everyone say savior. It's very important to understanding. Jesus is the savior of the world. Savior you might say with a capital S. Okay? He is the savior of the world. Now, there's a difference between good news when things are already going well. You know, you're already sitting on a beach you know, and someone comes up and they hand you your favorite beverage or you know a, a, a delicious treat, and you're like, well, that's just the cherry on top, isn't it, right? When things are going fine and you, you receive a blessing or a gift, that's good news. But I, I would argue a more important time to receive good news is when things are not going well. When you're not on the beach, when you're drowning in the ocean, and you need someone to save you. Your your life is in danger and you need someone to help you. Now imagine, this is kind of an absurd picture I'm gonna give you, but imagine you're drowning in the ocean, your very life is in danger, and someone reaches down with a mimosa. (laughs) Here you go, and they hand it to you and they sail away. How much good is that doing you? Even if it's your favorite beverage, even if it's your favorite beach time relaxing beverage, it doesn't do you any good. And that's the same thing that happens for people who don't have the salvation of Jesus Christ. Slapping a happy holidays on it is not gonna fix your problem. It's not gonna sustain your joy. What good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your very soul? We need a savior. And so this is, this is so important. If we're gonna experience the joy of Christ, it doesn't begin with things going well. We have to recognize it actually begins with us being by nature children of wrath, dead in our trespasses and sins, drowning in the ocean of sin, guilt, and shame. We don't just need a cherry on top, good news. We need help desperately. But God, who is rich in mercy, sent his son. Let me remind you of the words that the angel told Joseph. This is Matthew 1:21. He says that she, your fiancé Mary, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, which means Jehovah saves, for he will save the people from their sins. So from the very beginning, this isn't just, a, a, this isn't just any baby. This baby was born so that he would die one day. He's the son of God who lived a perfect life that we could never lived, and then eventually, he died the death that we deserve on the cross, and then three days later, he demonstrated the power of God as he rose from the grave in victory, and that's the gospel, and now you can receive that victory, you can receive forgiveness from your sins, you can be saved from your sins by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Is that good news, church? Amen, hallelujah, that is good news. That should put a smile on your face regardless on the situation that you're experiencing. That's good news, that's mega joy. That's great joy, it's abundant joy. I wanna ask you this question. Is your joy more dependent on your situation or on your savior? And so often we get high, and I'm not saying that your situation, that you have to be happy about difficulty in your life, but because of Jesus being our savior, we can stop being hyper-focused, fixated on our situations. We can actually zoom out a little bit and focus our eyes on our savior and remember, come what may, worst case scenario in this world, we've still been saved from sin, death, and the devil. And that brings us joy, even in the worst of situations. That's the first title. But wait, this is like an infomercial. But wait, there's more! (laughs) But first, I just wanna invite you, if you've never received Christ Jesus as your savior, to receive the gospel by faith, to put your faith in Jesus, to pray and ask God to forgive your sin and lead your life. And, And I would encourage you to take the step that Jesus instructed us to take, to put our faith in him through baptism. You can learn more about baptism at hillcityboise.org slash baptism, and maybe around the end of this year, as you're thinking about New Year's resolutions and what you want you know, your goals and your life to look like, I would challenge you to seriously consider getting baptized in the new year. It's the most important thing that you get, most important decision you can make with your life is to put your faith in Jesus, and I wanna challenge you to do that. Through baptism. The second title that uh, the angels call Jesus here is they don't just call him the Savior of the world, they say that Jesus will be Christ the Lord. Everyone say Christ the Lord. He will be Christ the Lord. Christos in Greek is the Greek version of the Messiah. This is the anointed one. When you read Messiah or Christ, essentially both of those are titles for the King the new king who would come from heaven to earth to establish his rule and reign, to establish his kingdom. And he's Christ the Lord. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know that God is often called Lord, right? He's called the Lord. But Lord doesn't only refer to God, what it can also refer to is someone being the boss. Essentially, the king, it's a, it's a title of authority. You're the boss, you're the Lord, you're the one that we listen to. And this is very, very important for understanding who Jesus is. He is not only savior, he's also Lord. In the Sermon on the Plain, in Luke 6:46, Jesus says these words, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Why do you say that I'm the Lord and not do what I tell you? This is, in the definition of what it means for Jesus to be your Lord, this is what it means. You do what? What do you do? What he tells you. He's the boss. He's the king. He's the Lord. You have to actually obey him. Follow him with everything. That's what we say, we follow Jesus. With everything, And the beauty of this is that a life with Jesus as Lord is the key to the good life. This is kind of contradictory to what the, the messaging, all the advertising for the culture of the world, okay? Because the world will tell you that faith or religion or even putting anyone else as an authority in your life, this is kind of the, the, the narrative of our day, you should be the boss. You should be your own Lord. You get to make your own decisions. You get to determine your own ethics. You get to make your own happiness. If it feels good, do it. If it looks good, buy it, right? That's the messaging of the world. And yet that's not that different than the deception of the devil in Genesis chapter three. We are created as human beings for God to be the Lord of our life. And the, the secret the And it's not a secret if you read the Bible, but the secret that the world is missing is the key to the good life is actually to have Christ as the Lord of your life. Look at what Jesus said in John 15, nine through 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love, and if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then get this last line here. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what? Not running on empty, not you know, five miles, I gotta get to the gas station because my tank is almost, it's on fumes, that your joy might be overflowing, full. Some translations say abundant joy. Do you want mega joy? Do you want abundant joy? You need Christ Jesus, not only as your savior, but as your Lord. Obey his commandments. And we don't typically think commandments equals joy. Right? Because the messaging we get from the world is following rules is a wet blanket that'll ruin your life. Listening to any other kind of authority, especially a religious kind of authority, it's just gonna suck all the fun out of your life, right? That's the messaging we hear from the world. And that's just, I'm just here to tell you, that's a lie. That the only reason God gives us commandments to obey, the teachings of Jesus to follow, is not to ruin your life, it's, here's the thing, it's actually to maximize your joy. That the life that God has for us, he created humans, so he knows the operating manual. He knows how we're supposed to operate. I mean, how often have people gotten to rock bottom by doing whatever they wanted in this life, right? By, do, by making any decision based on what they think would make them happy or feel good. It's this, we all know it's this endless pursuit that leaves you hollow inside and empty inside. Why don't you try following Jesus with everything? That will lead you to these moments of abundant joy. A life with Jesus as your savior and Lord is the only life that leads to an unshakable, overflowing, abundant joy. Here's our main point for today. The good news of Jesus outshines the bad news of life. I hope you don't hear me wrong. Today I'm not trying to convince you, especially if you're going through a difficult season you're experiencing that, not, not the most wonderful time of the year, you're experiencing, I'm just trying to make it through the holidays, right? You know, and I've, I've watched my favorite Christmas movies on repeat, and I know it's not cutting it. It's not filling that tank with joy. I keep drinking, you know, the eggnog, I keep, you know, I keep running after the happy holidays, nostalgic kinda, and it's just not working like it used to when I was 12, right? It's not not this lasting kind of joy. And I'm not here to try to convince you that there isn't bad news in your life or bad news in the world. I'm not even trying to say that we should ignore the bad news that we experience or, or that we shouldn't grieve those things. We should. We shouldn't stick our head in the sand when we hear bad news. We should feel those things, process those things. We need to weep with those who weep. And yet we also rejoice with those who rejoice. And what I am here to tell you is is that the good news of Jesus, it outshines all of that. It's brighter than all of that. It's better than all of that. And I'm not here to tell you you should ignore the bad news, but how much, church, are we ignoring the good news of Christ? All we're filling our minds with is the bad news of this world or the bad news of our situations and we must be reminded. What did Jesus institute the Lord's Supper for? Do this in remembrance. We need to remember the gospel. We need to remember the gospel more than even just every Sunday. We need to remember that the good news of Jesus brings great joy every day of your life. Do you remember that your, sa- your soul has been saved from death when you get a bad phone call? And-, and maybe you've experienced this before, where you woke up, and it was like, first thing, open the email, and it was like the, the email you have been waiting for is like the best news. And then someone gets your order wrong at the coffee shop. And you're like, I ordered an eggnog latte, and I know that there's no eggnog in this, right? But you've already left, and you're like, it's- this is just a normal, latte, but usually that'd like throw you off a little bit, but you're like, you know what? That's a little bit of bad news. In comparison to that email I just got, it doesn't even bug me, does that make sense? Have you experienced that? Where because you've experienced something that's more substantial, a more substantial source of joy, it's like nothing can phase you the rest of the day. Mother Teresa, She experienced and witnessed some of the depths of the human condition, serving people with poverty for years and years and years. And I remember reading this interview with Mother Teresa one time and she said that the worst things we experience in this life will seem no worse, when we get to heaven, will seem no worse than one bad night at a hotel. And if she can say that, having seen suffering, probably worse suffering than you and I will see in our lifetimes, to be honest. If, if she can say, in comparison to the joy set before us, what Jesus has done for us, when we get to heaven in eternity, we're gonna look back and it's like, I never should have booked that Airbnb. You know, it's just gonna be like, it, not that it's not bad, but in comparison, the good news of Jesus outshines. Can you say outshines? It outshines, so look at it. Remember it. Don't forget it. Here's two practices, okay, that can actually help us do this. The first practice is to find your joy in Jesus. Find your joy in Jesus. This is something we don't quite understand and we kind of take for granted. We think that it's just automatic, right? But Jesus actually tells us If you want that kind of joy, you've gotta keep his commandments. If you want that kind of joy of salvation, you need to actually, the joy of salvation, you need to be saved, right? So you need to put your faith in Jesus and experience his grace and his mercy, but we actually have to find it. Seek and you shall find. And I would just ask you, where are you seeking your joy? This is so common in the American church. Where are you looking for your joy? because we kind of compartmentalize our faith, don't we? God, you know, Jesus is good, he's good to save you from, from your sins, and you have the security, and you know you're going to heaven and all of that, but then it's like, okay, now that that, check that box, I'm saved, how can I get the most out of this present life? How can I squeeze the most pleasure and happiness and comfort out of this present life? And so, we might be saved and yet we're still looking for our joy elsewhere. We're looking for joy from accumulating a lot of money or possessions, from you know, our own health and fitness, from social media and what people think about us, from relationships, and the list goes on and on and on, right? We do this, we do this, and I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, if you're looking for joy from all of those other places, it won't satisfy. So stop looking for joy elsewhere in the world. Not that there's anything even wrong with those things. You're just not gonna find your joy there and start finding your joy in Jesus. Start finding your joy in Jesus. What if the shepherds didn't go? Do Did you ever think about that? What if the angels came to them and said, we've got great news. This is we've got good news for you. It's gonna be great joy. There's a baby. And they were like, interesting. (laughs) We're gonna stay here with the sheep. But they didn't do that. Do you realize there's an action? It's not just enough to hear about Jesus, to hear the good news, we must experience. We must taste and see that the Lord is good. We must see for ourselves. Thankfully, they go. Luke chapter 2, verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us, what? Let's go. Let's go go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, they're running, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I like to imagine, you know, they don't know the address. so. Maybe it's late at night. They're knocking on doors. Is there a baby in here? They're like, oh, what's it? No swaddling cloth. Okay, all right, next house. And they're knocking and they're knocking. And finally, and they don't know Mary and Joseph either. They don't even know their names, right? And then they finally find, and there's this, see- you see, there's a seeking. There's a looking for. There's a running with haste. There's a going to. If you wanna find your joy in Christ, you've gotta go to Christ. You've gotta abide in Christ. You've you've gotta look for that joy in that daily relationship with God, that daily walk with God, and just recognize going to God time and time and time again. Seek your joy from Christ and you will find it. That's the first practice. The second practice is to spread joy by sharing the gospel. How do you spread joy? According to Buddy the Elf, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is what? Singing, loud. singing loud for all to hear. You can quote Elf, you can't quote a Bible verse. Come on, I'm just joking, no shame here. Okay, uh, the best way to spread holiday, you know, Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear, and that's great. It's just not true, actually. <laughs> the best way to spread Christmas cheer is by sharing the gospel by sharing the gospel. The world needs good news with substance. The world needs to know there's a joy that can handle the weight of your suffering. The world needs a more substantial form of happiness than it's getting right now. Look at what happens in Luke chapter two, verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known, or we can say when they saw it, They shared it. You see this? They made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So they share it, and in our text, they shared it with Mary and Joseph. They told them about the angels. They told them about that. But I imagine that's probably not the only people they ended up telling, right? If you're one of those shepherds, you're not going home that night and being like, just a normal night on the job. Just a regular, you know, watching sheep. There's a few angels out there, actually. You know, you're sharing about this. When they saw it, so they heard it, they saw it, and then they shared it. And the best way to, to spread Christmas cheer, the best way to spread joy is by sharing the gospel. What if we shared the gospel with the same excitement as all the other kinds of good news that we are so eager to share on social media. Found my new favorite show to binge watch. <laughs> Love this new Christmas recipe, right? We share, I mean, I'm not, the trivial things, it's, fun, it's great. You know, you can still post about those things. No shame, once again. But what if we shared the gospel with as much excitement because we knew the kind of joy potential is there, that, that if your friends, your family members, your coworkers who don't know Christ, if they could only experience the joy of Christ with Him as their Lord and their Savior, we would be talking about it all the time. Deschutes Brewing Company, don't ask me how I know this, by the way. <laughs> Deschutes Brewing Company has a motto, a slogan, it's copyrighted, it's worth sharing. Hashtag worth sharing. Again, don't ask me how I know that. (laughs) Do you think the gospel is worth sharing? Do you? Then why aren't we talking about it? Then why aren't we telling people about it, especially our loved ones, especially the people we care about the most in this world? We know the potential. We know it's good news that brings great joy. We've got to. Spread it. We've gotta share it. And uh, it often begins with a simple conversation where you just share how the gospel is good news to you. How, How God is moving in your life. How you're experiencing the joy of Jesus on a daily basis. Not just on Sundays or not just around Christmas time, but how you are actually, the joy of Christ is outshining even the bad news of your life. And if you begin to live that and experience that, the people in your life will see it man, it seems like you're going through some hard times. How do you still have joy? It actually boggles my mind. I can't understand it. And those are the opportunities where you can share the gospel and how the good news of Jesus outshines the bad news of life. Another just simple step that you can take, especially this week, it is six days until Christmas Eve. Do you realize this? Six days. Invite someone to our Christmas Eve services. We've got three Christmas Eve services, 3 p.m., 4.30, 6 p.m. I hope that you'd pick the the service time that that you're coming to. It's gonna be streamed at 6 p.m. You could even share the stream with someone who lives out of town. But we have those invite cards. We've got probably a few hundred invite cards left. Grab one of those, even if it's a barista at a coffee shop. If they know your name, then you know them well enough to invite them to Christmas Eve, and to say, I'm saving a seat for you. And I hope it, it, it doesn't stop there. I hope that there's conversations further down the road, but it might start there. It might start with a simple invitation to Christmas Eve. So would you be praying for boldness, and would you be bold and courageous? And would you go in haste this week to spread the joy of Christ by inviting someone to Christmas Eve? I wanna close by reading Uh, Some of the opening lines of 1 Peter. Peter the apostle writes to the church, and the church he writes to is a church that is persecuted, a church that is suffering. He describes the suffering they're going under like it's a fire, like it's a furnace of their lives. So much of what the church that Peter writes to is not good news that they're experiencing. They're experiencing so much bad news. They're experiencing not just the calling to follow Jesus, but the cost associated with that calling. And I just wanna close, as we prepare our hearts for worship, with these lines from 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's stand and worship. Thanks for tuning in to the Hill City Church Podcast. You can find out more about our church at hillcityboise.org. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hill City Boise. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you follow Jesus with everything.